You know, for the next few weeks, we're going through this famous passage, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount, right? And the reason why it's famous is for a couple reasons. It's because it's the longest continual teaching of Jesus in the Bible is, is really like a sermon of his. And also, they consider it one of the most, if not the most important passage on how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? And he gives really clear examples, and he teaches us exactly kind of what it means to follow after him. And, and that's why it's kind of known, even through secular circles, the Sermon on the Mount. You see, one way that Jesus teaches us how to be his disciple is he compares two separate things. And when he compares two separate things, a lot of the times what he ends up doing is he allows us to fill in the blank in the way that, oh, we end up being on one side or the other. And it's not that he forces us into thinking one certain way, it's that he gives two options and naturally we realize that we are one or the other. And you see, in this passage, Jesus is contrasting two sets of values. When he says, blessed are the poor, what he's doing is he's contrasting that with the rich. When he says, blessed are the meek, he's contrasting that with the powerful. And when he says, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness, what he's doing is that he is contrasting that against those who hunger for success or for fame or for wealth. You see, what he's doing is he's talking about two completely separate value systems. And he says that the values he brings are for a new kingdom. You see, in verse 3, it says the kingdom of heaven. Whereas the old values are what is called the kingdom of the world. See, church, there's a power that draws us into the kingdom of the world. There's something inherent in those values that I just mentioned, power, wealth, and success, and fame, that naturally draws us towards it. Now, what is it? What is that power? It's the power of today. It's the power of now. When it comes to wealth and fame and power, you see, we can see those things immediately. We can see how they produce immediate results. And we can see the esteem that it brings us. We can see the, the material goods that it can give us. And so we are naturally drawn to those things. But you see, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, it says that you're weak. It says that you're poor. It says that you need to strive towards what's good and righteous. There's no immediate benefits to that. It's like the marshmallow experiment, if you guys have, know about that, that Stanford University did a, a while back, where they had children eat either one marshmallow now or wait 10 minutes later, and they could eat two marshmallows then, right? And I know that sounds childish and whatever, because children, but when you distill these two kingdoms down, when you really think about the essence of what Jesus is trying to say within these 12 verses, it's as simple as that experiment. You see, I can see the 
benefit of power. I can see the benefit of wealth. I can see those things immediately. In our culture especially, you can see that in an instant. Go on Instagram, go on Facebook, go on any of those sites, and you can see immediately what everyone else is doing, how everyone else is more successful than you are. But today, you don't see the value. You don't see the good things that Jesus is able to bring to you. And so the question becomes, why would we choose to follow the kingdom of heaven? Right? It's great that Jesus is talking about all of these things. And you know what? He's going to go more in depth the more we go into the Sermon on the Mount. But the question becomes, okay, Daniel, that's great. All those things are good. But why would I ever in the first place want to follow the kingdom of heaven? Because you see, for me, I'd want to immediately eat that marshmallow now right? Because I'm impatient, right? I, I want what I can see in this moment is not about what I can hope for in the future. So of course, I'd want immediate results. So why would I choose differently? And you see, church, it comes down to one belief. And that belief is simple, and yet it is foundational. Do you believe that Jesus died for you, that he rose again and is waiting for you in heaven? Because if you believe this, if you believe this from in the bottom of your heart, if you truly hold on to this, then it makes sense for you to give of your time. It makes sense for you to give of your resources. It makes sense to love and be vulnerable and to serve because you know what? Your end goal is not fame or success, is not being today, is not about what is now. It's to be closer to Jesus because we know that the only thing that will bring us true happiness is Jesus Christ. But you see, if you don't believe that he's God, then of course, of course you wouldn't give of your time and your money and sacrifice to the point where it hurts. If there's nothing past this life, then why dedicate your life to something you can't see the fruit of in this life? And you see, church, the thing is, that's the danger of investing in the kingdom of this world. Because it looks so good from the outside. It looks so good when we can simply see the, the outside covering of it. And yet what Jesus is saying is that those things may look good, but they are all temporary. Because when you live according to those values, then you know what? You're going to be comforted now, but you're going to be mourning later. It's always the contrast. Look, blessed are those who mourn because you're going to be comforted. And in the opposite way, look, if you want to be comforted now, then guess what? Later, you're going to be mourning. Look, if you strive for just immediate happiness today, then later you're going to be suffering. And Jesus, he knows this better than anyone, and so he's telling us again and again, look, these values of the world may look good from the outside, 
But on the inside, they're meaningless. They're temporary. They will crumble. Look, when you build your life on what you can get now, then those things will all eventually crumble. If your beauty is everything to you, then you, look, no matter how much you try, your beauty is going to fade. If your acclaim and your popularity and your success are everything to you, then guess what? There will always be a new trend. There will always be a new fad. There will always be a new celebrity. There will always be a new person to go over you. See, church, when you put your values in those things, then what happens is that those things control you. If you want success so badly, then success is what is going to control your life. Your mood and your hope and your happiness will be completely dependent on how successful you think you are. And it's all relative. Because even as you get more and more quote-unquote successful, the more and more you're going to compare yourself to other people, and the more and more you're going to realize what you don't have, and the more and more you're going to realize how unhappy you really are. See, church, if money is what you value, then your happiness and your emotional state will be completely dependent on how much money you have in this moment. Yes, if you have a great job, praise the Lord for that. If you are happy, if you are successful in that way, that's so good. But what if? What if you lose it? What if you lose your job? What if you go bankrupt? What if the stock market crashes? What if any of these hundreds of millions of things happen? What if? You see, if you put your value upon money, if that is where your success, where your hope, where everything lies, then it's not that you are able to control money. No, money controls your life. Money dictates whether you are happy, whether you are sad. Money dictates whether your life falls apart or whether you are happy. Money dictates whether you come out of your house or whether you meet up with your friends. Money will dictate how you treat your family, your friends, your children. It controls you. Let me give you a small test. If you lose your job, Will your life fall apart? If you fight with your spouse, will your life fall apart? If you do badly in school, will your life fall apart? In other words, will you lash out at other people? Will you victimize yourself? Will you become depressed and despondent? Look, if it does, then maybe you're putting too much value in things that will not last. Your values are in the kingdom of the world when Jesus has already given you a new kingdom to be a part of. 
You see, church, this is the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. Because when you put your values on what Jesus says, you are no longer controlled by this world. Do you see that? You are no longer controlled by success or by power or by comfort or by recognition. Those things don't drive you anymore. Those things, you don't need them anymore. Look, those things aren't bad, but before, when those things are the only things that motivated you, that drove you, that gave you meaning in life, those things don't matter as much anymore. And look, what it means is if you have it, that's great. But if someone takes it away, that's fine too. A while back, we did a sermon series on the book of Philippians. And in it, we talked about this really famous verse that Paul says. He says, while he's in prison, he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it was strange because what we realized as we were going through that is that for him, he thought that he was going to die. He was on death row. And yet for Paul, he was unshaken. Why? And in fact, what we see is that instead of him being comforted, he is comforting the church that he's talking to. Because they're in distress, because they feel like they're going to lose everything. And so for him, in prison, he's calling out to them and he's saying, look, you can be okay. You're going to be okay. Just look at how I'm doing. I'm, I'm fine right now. And the reason why he was okay and the reason why he was unshaken during the hardest time of his life was because his greatest value was that one line, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Because for Paul, what he realized that money and success and fame, those were good, but those weren't everything to him. And so when those things one by one were taken from him, he was still able to not only endure, he was able to be content. He was able to be happy. And so for you, church, where are you in your life? Have you gone through tragedy after tragedy? Have you gone through accident after accident? Have you gone through the worst things possible? Well, guess what? Worst things are going to probably happen in your life too. And the question becomes not whether, God, I don't want these bad things to happen anymore. The question and the answer is, God, in those things, can I still worship you? Can I still be unshaken? Can I still be content in my circumstances? Because your happiness and your contentness are not dependent on your circumstances. They're, de they're dependent on what you value. Because the values in this world are all temporary and all, we'll all shake. Fame, wealth, and power go up and down like the wind. But what Jesus tells us to value, those things will keep us steady. Those things are based upon his character, upon what he's done. You see, church, there are so many paradoxes in this passage. 
Because it says, blessed are you who weep. How does that make sense? Blessed are you who are hungry. Why does Jesus say these things? You see, the word blessed in this passage, what it literally translates to is, it's deeply satisfied. You are deeply satisfied. Jesus is saying, look, your life, it can be going terribly, but you will be deeply satisfied. Blessed are you. Look, a Christian is someone who can cry and still believe that they are blessed. It means you can lose your job, lose your spouse, lose your reputation, and still be blessed. Because for Christians, we believe that we are completely and totally accepted by God to be his children. That is not about the acceptance or the recognition of this world. It's not about what other people say, whether good or bad. It's about what Jesus, about what God says about us. And he says that you are precious. And he says that he loves you more than anyone, more than anything. Look, for us as Christians, we believe that we are loved more than we had ever hoped to be. And so no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, we are blessed beyond belief. So what if I lose my job? So what if I lose my reputation? Church, so what if I lose my life? My values are not what this world thinks is valuable. I have nothing to lose here. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's why a lot of times our lives, they can look reckless to people. And I'm not saying they look irresponsible. What I mean is that when people look at true Christians, a lot of times their lives do not make sense. Because the world says, look, you should be saving your money. Because the world is an unpredictable place. And so you should be saving and saving and saving not giving it away. The world says, if you're that open with people, if you're willing to have your heart wrenched and turned like that, then you know what? People are going to take advantage of you. So you need to protect yourself. The world says, if you serve that much, how are you ever going to grow? How are you ever going to actualize yourself? Realize your own potential if all you ever do is serve other people. And yet for Christians, what we believe is that we are willing to do those things and a hundred times more. And the reason why is simple is because we are living by a different standard. We are living through a different set of values. We are living in a different kingdom. And look, it's, it's a completely different way of thinking. And when you compare it to the authority of the world, it seems almost impossible to do. 
When something has been established for a really long time, it's almost impossible to overturn. That's why when you look at movements, when you look at different uh, protests that happen, a lot of them just fizzle out after a while. A lot of times, nothing changes. Because what you really need is more of a revolution. You know, in verse 1, it says that Jesus went up on the mountain to teach. And this whole sermon series is, is called Sermon on the Mount. And scholars have really thought about why would the Bible emphasize that Jesus went up on the mountain. And in the, in the Gospel of Luke, they do another kind of, it talks about the Sermon on the Mount, and it mentions there as well that he went up and down the mountain there. And scholars believe that the reason why the Bible would emphasize this is because back then, when the government or system was really corrupt, what you would do is go to the mountains in order to plan a revolution. You see, being in the city was too dangerous, it was too close. And being at, this, being at sea was too unpredictable. And so people, they would gather in the mountains to start a revolution. And for revolutions, the way it begins to grow is that people buy into the values that it presents. That's all it is that they believe that what is happening today does not make sense. The values of how the world works and the system works today does not make sense, and so therefore they are looking for something that does. You know, for the past few months, um, Hong Kong has been having protests. And I'm not going to take any political sides on this matter. I'm not as well-versed in it. But I do know that the beginning of it stemmed from the Hong Kong government introducing a bill that would extradite or that would bring <clears throat> these uh, people convicted of crimes from Hong Kong into mainland China. And what the Hong Kong citizens were afraid of is that it would take away their own independence. And so what began as these small little protests over time started to become something much, much bigger to the point where almost nightly where they're having hundreds of thousands of people walking down the street protesting. And so what we've seen is multiple deaths, thousands of injuries, and thousands of arrests being made. And the question becomes, why would they be willing to go through all of that? Why would people be willing to get hurt why would people be willing to die? And it's simple. It's because they believe in something so strongly that they're willing to sacrifice their lives in order to achieve it. So church, how much more should our conviction be in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us? If this is truly your conviction, if this is truly who you are, if you say without a shadow of a doubt that I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, then how much more should our conviction and our belief and our value be? If people out there are willing to die for their independence as citizens of a nation, how much more should we be willing to die as citizens for the kingdom of God? You see, when a revolution begins, the leader is the first one on the front lines. They are the first ones to be hurt, to be ostracized, and to be killed. 
And many times we can look at what Jesus Christ did and we can say, you know what, that's, that's who he was. He was this really good example of that. And so, you know what, Jesus Christ, he served the poor, and so that's why we should serve the poor. You know what, he, he brought a lot of people to himself, and that's why on October 27th, we need to bring a lot of people to church too, because we need to follow his example. But if Jesus came just as an example, then that's not enough for us. If anything, all that does is bring pressure on us because we're trying to live up to somebody who is perfect, and we can never do that. But the gospel, what it says is that Jesus wasn't just a good example. What the gospel says is that he mourned so that we could be comforted. What the gospel says is that he died so that we could live. What the gospel says is that he went hungry, that he was forsaken, that he took the brunt of everything so that we could have peace. It says that he took everything so that the pain that we experience in this world, that the hurt that you're going through, that the tragedy and the accident and all of those things that are happening in your life have hope because those things are temporary. Have hope because this world is not all that there is. Praise the Lord. Have hope because when you die here, that's only the beginning. So church, what kingdom are you living in? What kingdom are you striving for? If you put your value in power and wealth and success, then you know what? Your life will always be up and down. It will be rising and falling. You will never be stable. But if your values are based in the kingdom of heaven, then maybe for the very first time, you will have peace. Maybe for the very, maybe for the very first time, in light of the tragedy, in light of the hardship that you are going through, you will be content. So church, blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who are meek. Blessed are you who are hungry. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray.